Hello and welcome to the Matron Saint of Nightmares podcasts. Uh, this is episode four. I am the Acolyte. And I am the Matron. Um, this week we watched uh, What Keeps You Alive, a uh, thriller film from 2018. I think it was Canadian made and uh, we watched it on Netflix. Yeah, recently came to Netflix. Um, was really popular for the first few weeks that it came out, and it is an IFC film. And it is a gay horror. And I would like to start out by saying more queer horror, please. Because <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Um, did you feel like that the movie, that element added into the movie itself? Yeah. Or- yeah, I really did. So we always have spoilers. Um, so you have officially been warned, but I feel like in, in this movie, especially having the, like, kind of like the domestic violence theme in like a queer relationship was really impactful. I think it took it out of like the normal box it gets put in of mm-hmm. like violence from men against women mm-hmm. and more like studied the dynamic. Okay. Right. Yeah. We had like more information about like what the relationship was like and the power and control element. Yeah. And I think it made it in a very realistic way where you really empathize with, mm-hmm. um, with Julie, yeah. the person that is, um, on the, the tough side of the relationship yeah. who's being, who's being basically hunted by her wife. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick step back then. Um, yeah. what is this movie about? This movie is, um, basically about, uh, this lesbian couple, Jackie and Julie, and they are celebrating their first wedding anniversary. And so they go back to a cabin that Jackie, um, Jackie's family had had, like, her whole life and while she was growing up. And they're, they're celebrating their anniversary in this very remote cabin in Canada on a lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they celebrate, they're, they're celebrate quote-unquote, their anniversary. Some things start going a little funny. So um, Jackie's friend, Sarah, her childhood friend, comes to visit or comes to see them because she sees lights on and she's kind of alarmed. And uh, Sarah calls Jackie Megan, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the first kind of thing that is a sign to Julie that things might not that be something, okay Yeah, something's a little weird, yeah. Yeah, something's a little funny. So then Julie kind of takes a boat trip across the, the lake where Sarah lives and talks to Sarah independent of Jackie mm-hmm. and finds out that they have a, a childhood friend that died and just gets some more information about everything that... Uh, Jackie or Megan isn't telling Julie. Yeah, it starts to become a little cryptic, right? Yeah. Because um, um, Sarah has seems to know some things about uh, Megan or Jackie that um, that Jules is, I guess, a little surprised to find out. Yeah. Um, and I think in the beginning it is interesting because Julie kind of plays um, this role that. She seems a little petulant. Yeah. You know, where it's... And I would say, like, innocent. Yeah, very innocent. And she is... Yeah. Obviously, from a viewer standpoint, she's being thrown into something that you know she's going to eventually face. But yeah. I think at first you're just kind of like, why are you, like, upset, right? Because we had this conversation of, you know, what would you do if... Uh, what was the first thing that she finds out? She says, oh... The, the, she changed her name. Yeah, she changed her name, so that's upsetting. And I would be concerned about that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I know a lot of people that, you know, went with their middle name as a nickname in college or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. So 
it, it is strange that it is something that isn't brought up in the relationship, but at the same she time. Has a, yeah, she has a good cover for it, too. She's like, you know, Megan was the name that I was given, and when I figured out who I was and that I was gay, I just wanted to, like, reclaim my identity yeah. in this way. So yeah, she yeah. kind of makes this, like, very emotional argument yeah. about it, and she... yeah. She always has a response. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, she seems to have, like, a good response also, too, because Sarah says, oh, you know, we had a third friend that, that died. She, right. she drowned. Um, and she was really close with Megan. And so Julie is a little upset about that because she's like, oh, well, how come you never told me? Right. Right. Um, like, this seems like a big thing in your life that you just kind of yeah. didn't talk about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, um, and so they... In the first couple of days, they're already off to like this like kind of rocky start, and and then they're hiking, and it happens really quickly, but Jackie Megan just pushes Julie off the off a cliff. There's no there's a little bit of a lead up, of course, but yeah, the the the, the, the scene is quick. Yeah, um, and it kind of shows that she was kind of like it. You start to think like, okay, this was a plan. Like, mm-hmm. and as time goes by, because Julie survives, she's really beat up, though. Yeah. Um, but she survives, and, and you start to realize, like, oh, okay, like, uh, Jackie was playing her, mm-hmm. and that this was kind of her plan. Yeah. And so then, you kind of come to this realization that Jules is alone in the forest with someone hunting her. Yeah. Basically. And she yeah. doesn't really know, like, Jules is, in the beginning, she tries to act tough with talking about, like, knowing guns or something. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't, and she's yeah. very, she's... She comes across as, like, very sensitive and very, like, compassionate. Mm-hmm. And even throughout the movie, like, I was getting irritated with her because she was kept trying to find reasons why um, Jackie was, like, the way she was. She kept right. asking questions about her father and her past and, like, everything that happened. Yeah. And tries to keep, keep trying to figure out, like, okay, how could I be in love with someone who could do this? Yeah. And, and I think that that's a really interesting question and, and, like, an interesting thing that we see kind of going on in Julie's life is that she's trying to find a justification for why something could be so awful. Right. And it makes sense in the context, like, and I think especially for queer people, right? Like, first you have to have the guts to come out. Then you have to have, to have the guts to date. Then you have to have the guts to, like, commit to someone, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like. And we all, like, go through these stages no matter what orientation is. But for queer people, there's just, like, heightened risk of persecution at every level. And so then you go into, like, okay, they're married and they have this commitment and they have this relationship. And now it's kind of blown up. Yeah. Right? And her spouse is out to get her. Yeah. So then it makes me think of, like, queer people in general and, like, queer people I've worked with in my job who have, like, been in domestic violence situations um, they kind of have like that, that just kind of added barrier of, especially if you don't come from like a supportive environment, Right. people saying, well, this is a sin and quote unquote, like that's why it's unhealthy or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that people have a lot more of an uphill uh, or a lot of an uphill battle, like when they're trying to figure out how to sort out domestic violence situation in general, mm-hmm. much less in the middle of a forest in a queer relationship. Yeah. What do you think about the relationship between... Um, what you've mentioned about the domestic violence and because they use the word psychopath a lot in this yeah. movie to describe um, Jackie um, yeah. and you know we watch a lot of movies and I, and I think you're, you're always really good at pointing out the depiction of certain mental illnesses or conditions and so what, what did you think about this sort of depiction of psychopathy or whatever because that's not even the term that we really use anymore right no, no. So the, the terms, the two big terms that we use or that we have used in the past are psychopathy 
or psychopathy, which is like how people refer to it as, or uh, sociopathy. Mm -hmm. So the big delineation there, um, again, we don't use either of these words anymore, but the big delineation there is a sociopath is someone who experiences extreme trauma in a developmental stage, and it actually changes their brain chemistry so that um, parts of their brain actually like stop functioning. Mm -hmm. And it becomes... So it's more of like a, a nat- or a nurture kind of situation mm-hmm. for sociopathy. Yeah. For psychopathy, um, the like prevailing theory is that you're born that way, mm-hmm. and that it's people who are born with a certain portion of their brain that's um, like specifically tied to empathy or compassion, mm-hmm. um, also related to guilt, mm-hmm. right? That it's actually underfunctioning in okay. people who who have that that particular condition. However, both of those terms were really stigmatized, right? Um, And I think like the prevailing mental health theory about this is that you can try to change behavior, but as far as like fundamentally, like the personality disorder, which is what it's classified under now, Mm -hmm. which there are a lot of different personality disorders that are very different, right? Mm -hmm. All have very different symptoms. But for what we now call, um, what we used to call psychopathy, we now call antisocial personality disorder. And that's more of... Um, so we stopped making the delineation between like nature and nurture mm-hmm. and we are now focusing or the APA, the American Psychological Association is now focusing on, um, behaviors as a symptom. Um, so, but it's really hard. And I think that actually the way that they portrayed it in this movie is, is pretty on point. Like, I think that, um, the overwhelming majority of people who are diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder have a hard time functioning in society. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's a lot of people that end up really struggling in relationships um, or have, like, really impulsive behavior, um, can be violent, right? They just don't have that normal guilt or compassion that, like, kind of affects the rest of us. But it also can be people who don't hurt anyone and are completely functional in society and have relationships. Right. So it's it's a really wide range. There was actually this book, um, and I believe it was by Robert um, Hare, but it was called Snakes and Suits, which is a terrible name. But it was primarily about um, about people with antisocial personality disorder or psychopathy that were at really high level functioning yeah. in society, I've like stockbrokers and stuff. Right? Read a, a more pop psychology book called The Psychopath Test by John Ronson. Yeah, and that one's fascinating too because it he basically is trying to research, you know, uh, right. you know what who's considered a psychopath. So he talked to criminals in jails and stuff. And then in the latter half of the book, he ends up talking about, because I was going to make a joke when you were like, oh, it's, you know, people that hurt each other. I was like, I was going to say, well, yeah, and CEOs and politicians, you know. Absolutely. Because, like, a lot of the valuable traits in order to be, like, you Preach. know, high-level sort of um, executives in businesses, you have to make decisions that are kind of, like, going to hurt people yeah going to hurt people and right. so and, and and also like because there's all these traits like they're very charismatic you know right. like they're good at lying and stuff like that and so he even talks about writes about some people who pretended to be a psychopath in order to get out of it and then they're 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 in a uh, institution they become institutionalized and then once they're institutionalized they try to say oh no i'm not a psychopath and then the the problem is well actually that's what a psychopath would say you know right. and so like how do you how do you really know and so yeah. it's like really really fascinating it is really fascinating and i think it's it's one of those things too it's one of those like mental health diagnoses that's attached to so many horror movies so many like narratives of like villains and that kind of thing right. and, and i think it's kind of um 
I think that's tough. That's inappropriate. But when I, in clinical work, when I see someone's chart, medical record, or like case notes that reflect like they have antisocial personality disorder, my first thought is that's a bullshit diagnosis. Right. Like yeah. my first thought is like, okay, that's, that's pretty overdiagnosed for people with complex mental health issues. Right. Yeah. So I tried to like withhold any judgment in that way because the treatment process actually for people with antisocial personality disorder is pretty bleak. Yeah. Like there's some behavioral modification. There's some like distress tolerance building that you can do with folks, but overall there's no real treatment that has shown any efficacy. Yeah. Um, with these folks. So it's it's a really hard diagnosis because if somebody has it, it kind of blackballs them in right. mental health. Right? And I think from previous conversations we've had, you've mentioned that it's kind of a it's kind of like an easy blanket term to just it's a dismiss. Throwaway. Absolutely. Like yeah, a lot of potentially a lot of different conditions that are affecting somebody and and, and it's kind of like, well, they're just this. And so there's it's almost there's like throwing your hands up yeah and saying there's nothing we can do. Yeah. So I, I found that interesting, yeah. I absolutely call it a throwaway diagnosis because I think it's it is exactly that. Like we can use it as an excuse to say, Oh, this is why my interventions aren't working with someone <laughs> when in reality it's like, no, maybe you're just like doing a shitty job. Like or, maybe yeah, or you're missing something. Or you're missing something. Yeah, or, right. Or the work actually involves a uh, uh, sort of multifaceted or multidirectional approach right. to somebody, right? Or maybe they just don't trust you. That's another thing, right? Like <laughs> maybe they just don't trust you and they're yeah. they're giving you some bullshit because they don't trust you. But yeah, even to a layman, For right? Good like, that, like we yeah. use that in our day, like, oh, he's just a psychopath, you know, like exactly, like colloquially, oh, he's a psycho. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. The the yeah. So that I, I I found that to be interesting. Yeah, but clinically, this movie actually does a really good job of like reflecting kind yeah. of like what that behavior looks like, yeah. right? Because she says some really powerful things. I think Jackie, the the person who we, who's like alluded to be a psychopath. Yeah, like revealing, the, right. that condition. Right. Yeah. So she reveals like. Um, to Jules at one point she says no I never loved you I kind of sized you up the moment I saw you mm. right like she's just like no just yeah. very matter of fact as if yeah. it's nothing what did you think about this her story about her uh, first hunt where she uh, um, kills her per- first uh, big game sort of like the bear yeah I thought that was awesome I think that was a really good story I think it well um, so basically she's telling Jules this story oh, right. their first night and she's like when I was a kid you know hunting with my dad I think and I got um, lost got and I lied. ran into a bear and then I shot the bear but it didn't die right away it took 20 minutes and so I just sat with the bear and watched her die. yeah um and took her like 20 minutes and what's interesting is that that, that moment is you initially think oh she felt bad because she couldn't yeah. do the humane thing but she was actually just saying those things like oh I felt bad in order to to convey the story, but what she was probably really feeling inside was she was reveling in, in this watching right. this bear die or bleed out essentially. You know, I thought that was interesting. I think that they, yeah, the movie did that a couple times where it was like, okay, this could, this could mean one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. And they don't really like draw the conclusion. They leave it open to you. Yeah. So that when you go back and when you think about like the beginning of the yeah. movie, you're thinking, oh, okay, there could be a bunch of things happening here. I kind of also like that the movie doesn't give you all the reasons why she is the way she is, right? It's not like, oh, she was a... You know, you don't get the full picture. Oh, she was abused when she was a kid, and there was a guilt issue, you know, some, like, some relationship that didn't turn out the way that she wanted it, and so this is the story of who she is and why she's 
doing no, this. You she know, says, my parents like, were happy. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my childhood was great. Was great. Yeah, yeah, you know, like everything's that. fine. Yeah, because there was that moment where Jules was like, "Did your dad hurt you or something?" Because that's the the classic reasoning, right? right? We're thinking was, you have to be uh, have you have to have been hurt to be right. hurting people like this. Yeah, you know, she's like, "No, things were good." <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I just cool. Want to do that? Because anyway, even there isn't there's even talk of. Uh, um, you're doing this for the health insurance money? Yeah. <laughs> right? And because uh, it's revealed that she's killed another previous wife already. Right. You know, and she's killed multiple people, really. Right. Um, and uh, so... Yeah, her previous wife, Erica, she says. And then yeah. she says, oh, no, she was priceless. So then you get, like, the idea that she's not doing this for the money, actually. Yeah. This is something else. There's like, this, this is... slow descent from, like, oh, there's... You could re- I could reason with this person and then to, This like, person wants something. I'm absolutely kind of screwed. Right. Yeah. Like, what she wants is to kill you. Yeah. Like, that's what she wants, ultimately. Yeah. And I think that that's, like... I think that was also, like, a really good kind of reflection because that happens, right? Like, mm-hmm. the like the scary reality of life and being a human is, like, people are born that way. Yeah. People are born, you know, where if we put them in an MRI or if we do, like, an fMRI study, a functional MRI for them, we could actually see that, like, there's actually a certain portion of your brain that is... Um, smaller and lacking functioning if you have this diagnosis. And mm-hmm. so, like, actually some people have ac- begun to make this diagnosis partially based on fMRI mm-hmm. um, screenings, which is really fascinating now. Yeah. It's not commonplace, and it's not like the 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 how you diagnose it day-to-day. You know, most people don't have access to that kind of imaging. Yeah. But it's... Um, it happens. People are born that way. Yeah. So she's saying, like, you know, nothing happened to me. My childhood was great, and then I just killed Jenny. I mean, that... That also could be possible. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, and it must be fascinating too, from even the perspective of like a cl- clinician, right? Like, what if we started leading with brain scans and like, how do you how do you continue from there, right? Like, what do you do with somebody when you're like, well, this person has this thing that shows that they have the potential, yes, <laughs> right? like, yes. like it could be p- potentially dangerous. But right? what does that mean yeah, exactly? That's such a good question. Yeah. And I think like that would be a great horror movie too. By right. the way, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Minority Report esque, yeah. but but it is it's it's a really big question. I think like our imaging because we're getting dangerously close to eugenics. <laughs> oh, we're always like oh, a half yeah, a step yeah. away from eugenics yeah. in this in this culture, right? Yeah. Like I think it's uh, but it's it's a really good point because as our our imaging our ability to do brain imaging and our understanding of the brain in the past ten years has right. catapulted faster than it has in like the previous like 50 right yeah. so we have like within our power in the next like 10 to 20 years the ability to completely change how we diagnose mental health or mental health diagnoses but also how we understand them yeah so i think particularly for things that have a brain input right like psychopathy or mm-hmm. even like schizophrenia can sometimes be seen in brain imaging um mm-hmm. there can be indications ptsd and sometimes can be seen in brain imaging the other thing that i really liked that they showed in this movie was the heart rate so at one point after um, after Jackie kills Sarah, her childhood friend and her mm-hmm. husband. Yeah, they they have a a dinner together and Jackie um, tells or uh, Jules tells Sarah what's going on. Yeah, in an attempt to like get away. Yeah, and then Jackie ends up killing both Sarah and Daniel, her husband, um, very quickly. Yeah, and at the end, after killing them, she goes back to Jules and says like, "Let's feel your heart rate yeah. on your neck. Let's feel it." What does it feel like? It feels like it's going a million miles an hour. Um, and then she said, uh, oh, I have to quote somewhere. But she said... Um, well, she brings 
Jules's hand up to her neck to feel her pulse. Yeah. And she says, "What do you feel?" Yeah, what do you feel? And it's like steady. Steady. Yeah. Steady. And I think that 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 also is like first of all, it's like a really good intimidation tactic, right? Because <laughs> Jackie's just saying like, "I don't give a fuck. Like I'm not scared. Yeah. You're not going to scare me." Right? But the other thing is it's actually like biologically really interesting because mm-hmm. that that can actually happen. Right. So like people who are who have like psychopathy or antisocial personality disorder, they might respond to social stimuli in like a very different way mm. because they're not threatened in the same way that we are. Right, right. So because like there's a lack of like like um, compassion, they're not scared by the same like social things, social yeah. situations. They're not like emotionally that. affected by the you know somebody having to kill somebody. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a there's actually some preliminary research out of the VA that has done for over the past 10 years they've been doing this on and off, but they show that um, heart rate actually can be one of the ways that they can try to predict if somebody has a um, predisposition to PTSD, to, to developing PTSD. Oh, okay. So the study was they they took heart resting heart rates of veterans before they went to combat. Mm. And then they cross-checked them with the people who develop PTSD post-combat. Oh. And they found out people with, like, a resting heart rate that was, like, a little higher were actually, like, at a little bit of more of a predisposition to developing PTSD. And there's tons of reasons for that, right? It's right. not just... Yeah, yeah, and yeah. tons of psychological reasons for that. Yeah. Okay, like, if you're already, like, a little bit anxious or if you have, like, other traumas in your life, um, trauma compounds, so you're going to be at a higher risk, right? Mm-hmm. You're just going to be just generally more anxious and you're going to be at a higher risk for trauma. But it's really interesting in the context of this because, <laughs> because like, Jules is traumatized. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. she's, she's, like, horrifically traumatized. Yeah. And then in context, Jackie is just chilling. Yeah. This is just, this is just another thing for her to sort out, yeah. you know? She's not bothered by it. Yeah, yeah. Which is also very scary. So I... I think that leads into like the other another question that I had is um, what I actually thought was really interesting. I think you, I think you actually mentioned this in the movie, but um, could you describe what the mindset is of somebody that's gotten traumatically injured? Right, because Julie, her first big injury, she gets shoved off of a, a cliff, yeah. um, and uh, uh, she she does a self assessment later on. Right, she she has a. a, a Injury on uh, in her stomach, so she has to assess whether her spleen is Been ruptured. ruptured or not. Right. Um, she has an ankle injury. She's trying to assess whether it's broken or sprained. Mm-hmm. Determines that she's sprained. A couple of fingers are bent backwards, and she, I think I think her shoulder was dislocated because yeah, she, she had to pop, pop it back in. Back um, a head wound. Yep. Um, she hits her head on something, and then um, her eyes kind of fucked up too their eyes like there's like some it's blood like, vessels that popped yeah, or something yeah it was a bloodshot and um, then her ear too was bleeding she mm-hmm. fell on her ear yeah. so so you know because it's easy as a viewer and somebody that doesn't understand how these things will affect you to be like well yeah just pop back up and fight back yeah <laughs> you know, totally. that, that the whole time get you know, going yeah, yeah like, like what are you doing you know but and i think movie does a pretty good job because she's disoriented right so there's totally. weird flashbacks and stuff like yeah. that but yeah. like you know i think to the best of your knowledge like what what is it like to, to 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 immediately after being shoved off a cliff? Totally, totally. And I think that there's it's different for everybody, right? In every cliff situation. Yeah. Um, but but also like when your body endures that kind of physical trauma, there are some like really like fundamental things that start to shut down. So your body is our bodies are incredible, and our brains too. They're just bent on survival, mm-hmm. right? So if we're in a life or death situation where like the shit's hitting the fan, like it did for Jules. 
certain parts of our brain shut down, right? We don't need to be thinking about certain things. And Mm -hmm. so our brain gets like kind of laser focused, um, like certain, like our blood kind of shifts in how it's moving. Um, Question about the laser focus. Laser focus can be beneficial in certain ways, right? But your brain is also blocking out. Exactly. And it can also be painful. It can also be hurtful. You can do stupid shit, right? Um, So the goal of your body is to keep you alive. But in this situation, right, in every situation that you meet, it could be different what could actually keep you alive. Right, because she's being hunted. Exactly. But her body doesn't know she's being hunted. She's just kind of on, like, a backup generator mode yes i love that things are being like funneled into like like primary primarily biological functions to keep yeah. her alive but that may not help her in the sort of overall being hunted by your wife sure situation <laughs> probably not the best yeah so yeah so and and also shock right like after your i mean aside from like the psychological shock of being hunted by the person that's supposed to have your back right Right. there's also um just like the biological shock of losing blood and Mm -hmm. having those kind of injuries um she has i say she has fge which is final girl energy i think um i think jules got that final girl energy there (laughs) until the end um until she didn't (laughs) i mean it's bleak for a while trying yeah Yeah, because she was like this I think the movie does a really good job and I think it kind of goes back to even your um your your comments about the um domestic violence aspect of this right yeah. um where she's not got a lot of options like she could be a tough girl but she's fucking injured like she's got yes. a leg injury uh yeah. definitely a, a hand arm injury yeah and again she's probably got a concussion 100% um so yeah, that, that that's it's because it's fascinating, right? Like during the dinner scene where they invite their friends over, um, what do you do, right? Yeah. Um, and there's also another scene where um, Jules is making an escape. Yeah. And she uh, she decides that with her injured arm, she's gonna paddle out on the uh, rowboat. Tough. To try to get to Sarah and Daniel's cabin across the lake, because that's what she did initially. And uh, Jackie catches up with her because, one, she's not more injured. athletic. Yeah, and she's, she's more athletic and not injured. Yeah, yeah, and not injured, you know. And you're just like... And, and so she catches up with her in the middle of the lake, and Daniel pops out. He can't really see. He's like, you guys okay? How you doing? And uh, Jackie is like, listen, if you say anything, I'm going to kill you. Or, like, it's not going to turn out well if you say anything, right? Yeah. And... They're like, oh, well, are we still on for dinner tomorrow? And uh, Jackie's like, no, things are actually not looking good for us tomorrow. And then bravely, uh, Jules is like, well, what about tonight? And they're like, yeah, sounds good. So they, yeah, they go her. over. Yeah. Took her. But like, what are you supposed to do in that situation, right? Because it's easy for me to think, oh, yeah, just shout. Yeah, she's trying to kill me. Don't leave the dock. But like, if you're looking out for your own survival, you just stab her. Right. And, like, right. You'll deal you just with it die. after that. Right. You know. Totally. So, like, at that point, you're looking out for yourself, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. What would you think in the house? Like, what were you supposed to do? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that that is, that's another thing I really liked about this movie is because it showed how trapped people can get. Because there are times, like, I've worked with people who are in domestic violence situations and they've called me to say, like, what do I do? And there are times when it's like, actually, there's no safe thing for you to do right now. So we need to play, like, we need to think about like what are the options right yeah. and like fully explore these options yeah. the difficult part is um that actually when you're leaving your spouse 
if you're in a domestic violence situation or in a personal violence situation and you're leaving your spouse or your partner, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever, um, they, that's the most dangerous time for you. Interesting. So that's actually when most of the deaths happen in domestic violence is when somebody tries to leave. How so? Um, because that's, I think when, um, the abuser, the perpetrator in that situation feels like the most sense of loss Mm -hmm. or like fear. Okay. Um, and so I think that that's like when they are, or anger, just, just blatant anger. Yeah. And that's when they're trying the most to grab for their power. Because okay. ultimately, domestic violence situations, and another thing this movie did really well, is it's about power, right? Yeah. So in this movie, Jackie was constantly exerting her power yeah. over Jules, right? Um, and constantly telling her, you know, after the domestic violence thing started, constantly telling her, like, oh, you're dead. Like, yeah. this is done for you. Like, I'm just better than you. Like, yeah. this is part of the process. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. And I think that that was really real. So a lot of the people that I worked with, um, you have to come up with a safety plan before you even try to leave, right? Mm. So you have to be able to have somewhere safe to flee to. Yeah. You have to be able to flee without being caught. Yeah. I mean, there's so many issues, which is why, one of the reasons why, when somebody comes in to my office and says, um, like, there's a child being abused, there's a person over 65 being abused, or there's someone with a developmental disability being abused, I have to intervene. I'm mandated by law to mm. report that. Okay. Um, but when, you know, an adult with no, none of those issues or within like the, you know, age of adulthood and yeah. older adult, when they come to me and say, I think my spouse is going to kill me, I'm actually not mandated to report that. Oh. Um, and part of the reason for that is because reporting that actually puts people in greater risk. It couldn't endanger them a little. Okay. Absolutely. So it's a really, it's one of the most difficult situations, I think, as a therapist to get into because there's active violence. There's an active risk of death that's very actually credible in a lot of situations. Um, but we have to be very thoughtful about how to remove the person from the situation. Yeah. So that's why there's domestic violence shelters where they don't actually list their address. Mm. Um, they have yeah, yeah, yeah. unmarked buildings or Yeah, you've mentioned extra you, security. We were, we were driving through a certain city and you pointed out to a certain one that you had. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, that there's a domestic violence shelter here that I worked at. Yeah. yeah. Super nondescript. Absolutely. Never have known. Absolutely. Uh, you need code words to get in and out. Um, when I worked at the DV shelter, they actually told us specifically not to talk to the police. Um, it's it's just a very unique situation. So I think in Jules, you really feel that in this movie. You yeah. feel like, oh, there's nowhere for her to yeah. go. Like, She's even if she gets the car. Yeah. You know, like, where is she going to go? Like, how is she going to explain this to people? Yeah. How is How are they going to believe her? Um, Jackie's, like, hyper-competent, and she looks... Like she's put together, she can fake yeah, it she really got well. Yeah, steady heart rate. <laughs> you she know. got steady ass heart rate. She, she got made she's for really her in smart. This yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what would have been the good situation. I think if I was in dual situation, I probably would have acted the same. Yeah. I probably would have tried to pull somebody aside and tell them privately, and then everybody would have fucking died. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, yeah. it's a it's a horrible situation, and I I actually appreciate that they showed that for what it is because I think yeah. in real life the that's how it is yeah the yeah. hopelessness the isolation of it you know yeah um, okay so uh, classic question who are you in this movie hands down I'm Jules man I would be doing some stupid shit I'd be like honey but why <laughs> I'd be like but you love me right <laughs> like it would be so hard for me to to make that transition yeah and then like I'm down for her and trying to survive and sewing herself up. Like yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah, I feel yeah, like that yeah, was yeah, some yeah. badass stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. She does um, patch herself up a little. But I also think that, 
like the most cringeworthy part of the movie is when she goes back after yeah. she gives Jackie the tranquilizer. Yeah. It's somewhat justified at the end, you know, but know. it just felt super irrational because she finally tranquilizes her. She uh-huh. escapes. She's in the car, mm-hmm. like, down a paved road, so she's about to be out, and then she decides that she wants to... So painful. ...piece together this, essentially, a revenge plan. Yeah, she's like, oh, I gotta kill her. I didn't yeah, kill her. I gotta kill her, you know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. How about you? Who would you be? I'm Daniel, the the dude that dies. <laughs> Just, you know, I, I think... I like Daniel. It's very me to be sipping on a glass of wine and being like, what? And then getting my throat slit. Like, you know... <laughs> You're like, I'm sorry, I can't yeah. hear you? What? Because <laughs> I, I, I'd like to think that I wouldn't be Jackie, the, the psychopath. And Jules... She actually has a lot of grit that I don't think that I ultimately would have. Um, and also, I don't really identify with the kind of the, the, the goofier um, mistakes that she makes. But yeah. the, the toughness really is something that I don't think I have. I, I respect that. Yeah. I think, you know, my dad was a sniper in the Marine Corps. So the one thing I'm not like Jules in is I know how to handle a weapon. Mm-hmm. Jules was all like, your form is off. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Right, shoulders back. And I was like, ugh. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I feel that. I feel yeah. that. Daniel's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, in terms of deaths, there's... Okay, so... Daniel gets his throat, throat slit. slit. Mm-hmm. Not how I want to go. Um, his wife, Sarah... Just gets stabbed it's probably the, the worst stomach. one. She she gets That's stabbed, stabbed to death. Um, yeah, it's not how I want to go either. Like multiple times, just, I just somebody mounting me and I'm then stabbing like you to just death. stabbing me. You know, like especially one of my best childhood best friends would be horrific. Yeah, it's um, not how it's not how anybody wants to go. Jules dies a few times. You she could does almost indeed. say she gets yeah. pushed off the cliff. She, well, even twice. Even Jackie thinks that she should have died then, right? Because that's. The assumption, and then, uh, and um, she gets really messed up that way, and then she gets pushed off the cliff again. She gets waterboarded in the bathtub. She, she, yeah, she gets waterboarded. Classic American moves. Um, Canadians are stealing everything. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, and uh, of course, at the end, um, Jackie. Jackie does die because she gets. Um, her insulin poisoned, which is a boss move. Yeah, she gets her insulin po- uh, poisoned. Um, but to uh, be honest, I feel like that would be the best way to go of anybody. Like, I would want to go. I would want to go out by a stroke if I had to pick between getting stabbed at us. Right, stabbed, throat sliced, or pushed off the cliff twice. Right? Twice, yeah. Um, twice is just that's just adding insult to it. Yeah, Jackie really, she really um, kind of looked out on the death. She did. Part, yeah. I really liked how they did that at the end, though, because like. It was her childhood self, but it was also maybe the bear that yeah. was like watching her die. Yeah, and it yeah, was kind yeah. of there was because she does encounter a, a random bear that. when she's running out. Yeah, yeah, and it also kind of asked the question too, like what is her motivation? Like mm-hmm. what is, and I love that it's called like what keeps you alive. Yeah, because that story she tells about like you only kill what keeps you alive, I think is is a fascinating question for both her and Jules in this situation, right? Right. Because Jules really struggles with killing her. Right. She, like, really has a tough time with that. And what, what does it mean, keeping you alive? Because in the initial sort of explanation of that statement is a sustenance yeah. thing, right? It's we hunt to, to eat to keep us alive, but, you know, it's almost like an, a, a compulsion. Yeah. compulsion you know yeah. for 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 jackie and so like she has that would to keep, yeah exactly you know yeah. like 
she has to do that. And then the question for Jules is also, what practical things do you do that keeps you alive? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. How do you stay alive? How do you stay alive just in general when you're hurt? And, Mm. And also, like, when is violence necessary or excusable? Like... Um, at what point do we value our own lives enough to kill someone else to yeah. survive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's something too that Jules struggles with that I appreciate it. Although in the moment I was like, just kill her, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you have the knife. You got this. <laughs> you just have the high kill ground. Her. Kill just her. Do something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, what would you, what would you rate this movie? I mean, it, we need to think of. A rating, rating system that works. Yeah, because yeah. it's... It's not, not scary. It's not really scary, no. you know. Um, but I think I, I would read it like a four or five because I really I really appreciate what it did. I like I, I have added appreciation for horror movies that like don't have any supernatural elements. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I love the supernatural elements. Give me all of them. I love those horror movies yeah, too. Yeah, of course. But things that can like... But it's reflect easy the to horror make in everyday life. supernatural stuff scary. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. But like trying to build the like... In the same with the last movie we watched, The Green Room. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the, the supernatural, it's not the supernatural elements that is, well, there's no supernatural elements, but right. it's sort of like real. The reality of it is terrifying. Horror. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it was a solid movie. It was, it was really good. Um, it, it, it frustrates you like uh, a thriller does. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> it's very well made. And so I think, like, even the cinematography and all that, um, actually adds to um the, the whole feel uh, in terms of wasn't that scared wasn't oh yeah it wasn't scared yeah they, no jump scares or anything like that so it's just it's properly creepy yeah um, but yeah so i don't know out of 10 say uh, four or five yeah but you know definitely recommend to watch for sure. but in terms of like we yeah. need to rethink of the scale. Though. Yeah, we need to think about the good, good scale. I agree. Yeah, we'll work on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, until next time. Until next dreams. time. Sweet dreams.